It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Janet and James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent January 14th in the year of our Lord. 2020. Welcome and bienvenue to Janet and Ramcharan, the podcast. Crawling in my skin, these wounds they will not heal. Fear is how I fall, confusing what is real. That's how you hit those high notes. You gotta hit the, you gotta hit that fucking jugular note. Give me a A minor on the jugular. <laughs> Crawling, Lincoln Park. That song's been on my mind lately. Um, unfortunately, sometimes it does take an artist uh, killing themselves to be um, fully appreciated. You know, like sometimes that is the point they need to make, like. Chester Bennington, lead singer of Linkin Park, the man offed himself in 2017, right? And, you know, it's unfortunate that it took him killing himself for me to recognize, like, you know what? Linkin Park had some okay tunes. They had some good songs, like Crawling, you know? I don't know if he wrote the lyrics to that song, but anyways, he... He fucking put it down on that song. He put it down on that track, man. Crawling. Tell me you haven't been working out and, you know, you're on YouTube and you got like a random playlist and all of a sudden, you know, Crawling comes on by Linkin Park, right? That fucking just gets you amped, you know? Crawling in my skin, these wounds, they will not heal. Ah." You know? Gets you fucking amped gets you all sweaty and those lyrics man like i like simple to the point lyrics sometimes the more simple the more profound you know crawling in my skin these wounds they will not heal fear is how i fall confusing what is real You know, crawling in my skin, these wounds they will not heal. Fear is how I fall, confusing what is real. It's very profound. And, you know, Chester Bennington, the lead singer of Lincoln Park. The lead singer of Lincoln Park. You know, and how I always remember his name, by the way, how I always remember that name, Chester, Chester Bennington, is because I used to like going to a place called Chester's Chicken. So it's like several degrees of separation between me and Lincoln Park. I'm like, okay, Chester's Chicken, Chester Bennington, Lincoln Park. That's how I connect the dots. But anyway, his widow was in the news as of late. Yes, the widow of frontman to Lincoln Park, Chester Bennington. Bennington's widow ties not. The widow of Lincoln Park frontman Chester Bennington has reportedly remarried on the same day as her anniversary with the late rocker. Talinda Bennington, 
Not a bad looking little piece, right? But she looks like a conniving bitch. Anyway, Talinda Bennington tied the knot with Los Angeles County firefighter Michael Friedman at Turtle Bay Resort in Kahuku, Hawaii. I never heard of that place. K-A-H-U-K-U. Kahuku, Hawaii. Where do you live? I live in Kahuku, Hawaii. Sounds dope. Um, yes. Tied the knot in Kahuku, Hawaii on New Year's Eve, sources close to the family told TMZ. The former couple's son, Tyler Lee, 13, and nine-year-old, uh, nine-year-old twins, Lily and Lila, were reportedly present for the nuptials, along with other friends and family members. The wedding also falls on what would have been her 14th anniversary with Chester, whom she wed, whom she wed on New Year's Eve back in 2005. The crawling, the crawling hitmaker, a father of six, committed suicide in July 2017 at 41 years old. I said, wait a minute, Chester. And, you know, I guess why that's on my mind is going into 2020, you know, feeling pretty good, working out. And that song has been on my playlist for my workouts. And it's just kind of sad that it kind of took such an ugly... Because, like, you know, it took such an ugly circumstance for me to, like, appreciate some of their music. Because, like, granted, he's got millions of fans. Um, Linkin Park was, like, you know, I guess it still is. I don't know if they're still continuing. But Linkin Park is a very successful band. They had millions of fans. and But, you know, they did have some corny kind of goofball songs, like, in the early 2000s. A part of that, like, rap metal genre that like really only like a few bands actually kind of nailed kind of nailed it with that genre but like they were part of that goofy rap metal you know they had a couple of those songs you know everything that you say to me takes me one step closer to the edge and i'm about to break i need a little room to breathe take me one step closer to the edge and i'm about to break shut up shut up Shut up when I'm talking to you! Shut up! Like, it's like, yo, buddy, like, calm the fuck down. You know, you shut up when you're talking to me, Chester. I said, wait a minute, Chester. I'm not the only one. I take a load off Fanny. But yeah, like, as Linkin Park's been on my playlist for my workouts, reading that tragic story of his widow remarrying on the anniversary on what would have been the anniversary of their 14 years of marriage had he not killed himself. <laughs> you know, it got me thinking, like, the dichotomy of, like, on one hand, suicide, it's a coward's way out. The man had children, a wife, millions of fans, and he, you know, offs himself, took the coward's way out, you know, leaving a lot of questions. But on the other hand, life is pain. 
Life is pain. And who are we to judge and tell another person? Like if somebody tells you, life is too hard. It's so hard that I'm going to kill myself. (laughs) Who are we to judge? But, you know, I guess for whatever reason, they've been on my mind lately, Linkin Park, and that idea of um, that very horrible idea (laughs) of suicide. And, you know, going into 2020, I'm just trying to keep my faculties sharp, my mind on my money and my money on my mind, and, you know, keep my spirit um, soaring rather than crawling. Love you, Chester. So if you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast, I am an actor extraordinaire. Yes, 19 years of service, diploma in theater arts. And as I was speaking on suicide and um, the late, great Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park, um, tragic story, very successful band, very talented man, starting to really kind of like some of them songs, appreciate them a lot more. But I remember, you know, um, in the arts community, it's no secret. There's people with a lot of depression, ill feelings. There's a lot of um, bumps and scrapes on the road to um, a successful artistic life. There's a lot of bumps and scrapes. Um, like any industry, if you open up a business, you know, there's a lot of stress and challenge that comes in that vein. If you are an academic, if you're a tradesperson, whatever you're doing, there's hiccups, bumps and scrapes along the road. And sometimes people can fall into a downward spiral of negativity, depression, which can lead to like some suicidal thoughts. And, um, you know, I recall um, back in 2011, I was a newsie. Extra, extra, read all about it. Get your fucking newspaper. I was handing out like free newspapers in downtown Toronto. I was like 24 years old, 25 years old. I'd be standing outside for like three hours at a time, minus 20 degree weather, feet frozen solid, wind at my back, you know, shivering, shiver me timber, standing there handing out these fucking newspapers. And I remember one morning I was hung over. I was feeling really down and out. No career prospects, no acting work, no nothing, no friends, no family, no girlfriend, feeling like a dog's breakfast, freezing my balls off, standing out there handing out these fucking newspapers, extra, extra, read all about it, you know, have a newspaper, and I remember I had this crawling thought, I just had this thought, I'm like, kill yourself. And I was like, yo, did I just tell myself to kill myself? Then luckily, like one of my clients, one of my clients that I hand out the free newspaper to, he walks by and he's like, oh, hey, man, good morning. What's up, bro? Oh, newspaper. Thanks, man. And he walks off and that brought me back down to earth. I was like, okay, you know what? 
I just had a real crawling in my skin type of thought. People can be pretty cool. Life is pretty damn good. I just had an awkward thought. And luckily, since then, I've never had those types of thoughts. Um, I've had my moments of, you know, feeling kind of down. But going forward into this new decade, 2020, it's a chance for me and it's a chance for everybody like, like I'd like to extend to like take the reins, take the reins of your life and just be all you can be. And there's no need to, you know, take an early exit, you know, like I guess the issue of suicide is a serious one. And, you know, that's not the answer, though I don't judge, you know, like, like I said, Life's a bitch and then you die. It's a cynical world out there. And if somebody makes that decision, it's kind of irrevocable. You can't really like, what can you do? You just have to accept their decision. They've made it. But if you're out there, any youngins out there and anybody in general, you know, sometimes it's darkest before the dawn. Things will always get better if you just take the step to live life on life's terms you know a cup of coffee with friends hanging out on a sunny day that's more than enough to that's more than enough to appreciate and um you know i just feel blessed going into 2020 you know i got some things coming up in my acting career um, I got a couple auditions lined up. Hopefully those turn out okay. I've been, but I've been, I've been on like the fucking teenage girl diet, the fucking teenage bulimic diet. You know, that's what I hate about being an actor. Sometimes you have an audition coming up, you got to eat like a fucking pigeon. Granted, I eat like a pigeon anyways. Like um, I'm a pescatarian, so generally speaking, I just eat like um, you know, peanuts, legumes, cashews, nuts, berries. Um, I eat fish, I eat eggs, I eat vegetables, you know, I eat junk food, ice cream, all that shit. But like, you know, when you're gearing up for a hot and heavy audition as an actor, sometimes you're forced to eat like a bulimic teenager, you know, and, but you know, it's a blessing and I have all this to look forward to in 2020 and I extend a beautiful, um, hallelujah out to you and yours, you know, go out there and get it. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor. I am also an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, three years of consecutive, consistent sobriety. Sometimes you slur your words as a drunk. Sometimes you slur your words. But I got three years of consecutive, consistent sobriety. And, you know, like I said, going into 2020, you know, seeing some things and really trying to keep my focus, you know, really trying to keep the negativity away because, you know, there's just so much opportunity and it's easy to get off the mark if you're not careful. And one thing I don't know if you, dear viewer and listener, I don't know if you, dear audience, are aware of this, but there's like an undercurrent 
a subculture in like a big city lifestyle, a downtown lifestyle. Um, yo, there'd be a lot of drunks drinking at the laundromat. Yeah, believe it or not, your local laundromat is a cesspool for alcoholism and addiction. I remember back in 2011, as I mentioned, where that was during the time in which, um, you know, I had that crawling in my skin thought of offing myself. <laughs> it was a fleeting thought. Uh, I got over it. But, um, you know, during them days, I was also homeless. <laughs> you know, 2011, homeless, uh, living in a men's shelter. And, yo, like... It's a lot of alcoholics, addicted people living in men's shelters. And I remember some of the boys one day, they're like, Yo, John, you want to go drinking? You want to go drinking at the laundromat? I thought it was just like some cheap bar that they knew, right? I was like, okay, word, I'll go to the laundromat. Nope. It was literally a laundromat. (laughs) You know, suds, you know. Suds, washing machines, drying machines, like, there ain't nothing there. And that's how small a life can become when you're in the grips and throes of an addiction. Your life can be that small where it's like you plan your day around drinking at a laundromat. That's like the the high point in your life. I'm going to go get drunk at the laundromat. Because a lot of laundromats are, like, unattended, you know? Like, it's just, like, a little storefront full of washing machines, drying machines, and chairs. So there's all these chairs that you can sit on. There's usually music playing. It's unattended. There's nobody about. So a lot of people, street people, they go there to get their cheap kicks. They can kick back, crack a bottle, have a chuckle, listen to some tunes... And it's just a real sad place you can find yourself in alcoholism and addiction. And I saw that um, this past weekend. I was doing some laundry, and this this dude, yo, he's like sitting on a sitting sitting in a chair at the laundromat, cross-legged, all obnoxious and arrogant, as if he's some sort of artistic person, some some thoughtful scholar or something, you know, he's he's sitting there in his fucking Sophocles pose, sitting cross-legged, trying to look all fucking coy and intellectual, sipping on a bottle of vodka. He had like a 0.5 liter bottle of alcohol, like a 1.5 bottle, 1.5 liter bottle of vodka. What is that, like a 60 ounce? Is that a 60 ouncer, I think? No, that's like a 40 ouncer, point. Five liters of alcohol, 1.75. Anyways, he's getting drunk, right? He's getting crunk off this fucking vodka. Sitting all cross-legged like an intellectual, just delusional, out to lunch. And if you're out there, folks, and you're suffering like I have suffered, um, try what I did. Give it a chance. It worked for me. What I did was I joined a 12-step program. (laughs) Sounds fun, because it is. This is... um, 12-step recovery. These are meetings that you can attend all over the world. Um, That's how far the program reaches. And in these programs, 
in these meetings, there's no dues, you know, there's no dues or fees that you need to pay, no emphasis on religion, no emphasis on God. You are free to have your own beliefs. And what it is, is a community, a community of people who get together, they practice various steps of recovery. And um, this can be a lot to take in if you're new to recovery. So suffice to say, the first step of a 12-step recovery program is number one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. Step number one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. And if you can admit that, admit that, it gives you the power to be free of the, um, of the confusion of alcoholism. Like, oh, am I a drunk? Aren't I a drunk? What's going on? Why am I obsessed with alcohol? Why can't I only just drink one drink? Why am I, you know, waking up in a hospital bed? Why, why has my wife left me? You know, why is my boyfriend not talking to me? Whatever, whatever the issue is, it can alleviate the confusion when you admit you are powerless over alcohol and that your life has become unmanageable. If that suits your storyline. And um, yes, that's the first step of a 12-step program. So you go to these meetings And in doing so, you become a part of a community, right? You get to share on issues pertaining to your alcoholism. You get to listen. You get to hear from others. You come out of your isolation. You become reintegrated into society in a meaningful way. And day by day, your days add up. Then one day, you find yourself in a new life. And, you know, you don't have to be contemplating the the horrors of a potential suicide. You don't have to be living a lifestyle of, you know, a never-ending cycle of drinking in laundry mats. <laughs> you know, getting drunk at the old laundry mat. Like you can be living a happy, productive life, uh, a sober life. And again, I extend that out to anybody out there suffering, and um, you know, you are not alone. I'm very much aware of what you're going through. And um, together, we move forward. That's the whole idea of recovery. It's um, unity. You're no longer alone. (laughs) So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, alcoholic. I am also a janitor. Yeah. Uh, if you dip back into the lexicon of Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast, um, if you dip back into the lexicon, um, you will find many instances where as a janitor, like I almost fought a guy last year. He was pissing me off. This fucking police, that's my, that's my porky pig routine, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you're new to the show, sometimes when I get to stuttering, I like to do my porky pig routine. That's all folks. I love Porky Pig. But anyway, um, if you dip back into the lexicon, Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast, you'll find many instances where I bitch and kabik and moan and squawk about various things um, involving 
the janitorial trade. I almost fought a man last year, some pizza delivery driver. He was pissing me off. He almost ran me over in the parking lot. I was like sweeping up some dirt. And this fucking asshole almost run me over. And I'm bitching at him. I'm like, yo, buddy, watch where the fuck you're going, right? I almost fucking squared off with a pizza delivery man. You know, um, all sorts of shit, you know, spills, piss stains, you know, toilet paper. A lot of bric-a-brac has come up over my time as being a janitor. And today I feel like speaking on um, the idea of the Calvary is not coming. The Calvary isn't coming. Now, what I've come to realize as a working man, I'm a blue-collar dude, I'm a performer, I'm a hustler, you know, going out there and getting it. What I've come to realize is there's always an opportunity, there's always hope, there's always room for an open mind. But generally speaking, the Calvary is not coming. You know, this isn't Megxit. You know, Megxit. Have you heard of this? Fucking Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. They are um, absconding from the throne of merry old once upon a time land. And they are going to be financially independent. And they're going to go off and um, be financially independent, free of the chains of princedom. And, uh, you know, go off and, you know, do their own thing. They're moving to Canada. There's an article here. Um, I'll give you a brief snippet. Um, Prince Harry, Meghan Markle are moving to Canada. Uh, It's official. Meghan Markle and Prince Harry will be making a home in Canada. Queen Elizabeth confirmed that the couple will be splitting their time between the UK and Canada as they've decided to step away from duties as official senior members of the royal family. Uh, Markle and Prince Harry said they want to be financially independent and carve out a progressive new role within the monarchy. Although we would have preferred them to remain full-time working members of the royal family, we respect and understand their wish to live a more independent life. Their wish to live a more independent life as a family while remaining a valued part of my family, the Queen said in a statement. So yeah, I guess, you know, if you're like a Prince Harry or Meghan Markle, like, it's absolutely ridiculous. God bless him. But, you know, you are the prince of fucking England. You are a prince in England. The, like, the queen is like the wealthiest woman in the world. You know what I mean? The British monarchy. Like, you're going to be financially independent. Your whole fucking being is wrapped up in being a prince. You know, there ain't no Meghan Markle without... There ain't no fucking marrying actresses and jumping around the world and being an ambassador for this and a blah, 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 blah. Your whole fucking being is wrapped up in the British monarchy. You're an absolute joke to think that 
you're going to be financial. Okay, yeah. Like, for example, Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast, um, has a very, um, you know, humble and loyal listener base. Hopefully, hopefully it grows. I am financially independent as a janitor. Um, I do my ting. But, yo, are you telling me that um, if I was... Um, Jonathan Prince of Sussex, the podcast. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be getting fucking crazy numbers. I wouldn't have opportunities falling into my lap. So fucking cut it with the financial independence racket. Fucking spiel there, Prince Harry. And granted, you know, I was actually thinking, you know, Prince Harry, probably a very interesting dude. I mean probably very educated, you know, I'm assuming, wherever he went to school. I went to Yorkshire upon Avon. <laughs> wherever he went, you know, he's probably a very interesting dude to talk to. But it's the idea of, for the average person, the cavalry isn't coming. There's nobody in your corner, you know? You have no choice other than to be financially independent, you know? It's ridiculous for me to even think of having it any other way. I don't remember a time anybody ever did anything for me. <laughs> when did anybody do anything for me? <laughs> and yo, that's the story of the world. You know, that's the everyday person. That's what we're dealing with. And, you know, as a janitor, I try to find a parallel where it's like, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Everything I do is a step toward my overall goal of being a performer, financially independent, independent, and, um, you know, just carrying that weight. You know what I mean? And if you're out there and you're banging it out, doing whatever it is you do, you have to understand the Calvary ain't coming. There's no Megxit in your life. The Queen of England does not give a fuck whether or not you what abscond, abjucate, dabjucate from your fucking royal duties. Like, nobody gives a fuck about you. <laughs> the average person, you know? You don't have the world waiting to see where you're going to make your new home and become a progressive new leader in the world and financially independent like you're you're not fucking that dipstick fucking prince harry or fucking you know merry old mary margaret markle or mary markle or whatever the fuck megan markle like the calvary ain't coming you got to be the prince and princess of your own kingdom so you know going forward that's very important for me to remember and a part of that is knowing when to shut it down. Shut it down because, you know, while you're protecting your kingdom, a lot of times you'll notice there's just like a peasant uprising and, you know, some opposing warlord wants to fuck with your shit. Like there's always something like the peasant in your life, you know, your neighbors, that idiot at the grocery store, um, your coworkers. You know, there's always this peasant upheaval, peasant uprival in your kingdom. They're trying to tear you down and fuck with your crown, right? Or there's like an opposing um, 
warlord, an opposing kingdom, you know, that's like your um, competition. Let's say you're in business. Let's say you're um, an athlete. Whatever it is, there's an opposing force that you have to meet, right? And the cavalry isn't coming. You have to be the king, the queen, the in-between, transgendered royalty person of your own kingdom. You can't be pulling this fucking Prince Harry, Meghan Markle shit. I'm going to be independent. It's a crock of shit. You're on your own anyways. And, um, you know, that's very important for me to remember as a janitor going forward. You know, I got to with. I have to uphold my own kingdom to get to my goal, my goals. And until that time comes, I'm just going to keep pushing my mop bucket. You know, I'm going to keep washing my windows. Pushing my garbage trolleys. Vacuuming my floors. And yo, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. And that's transferable along the lines of any industry. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, janitor. And last of all, I am a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. 11 years of service, back on stage in 2020, feeling blessed, feeling finessed, feeling fresh. Um, I might have bombed. <laughs> But like, you know, you get to a point where it's like, it doesn't matter anymore. Like I had a couple shows this past week. Um, they went good. I mean, kind of light on the audience. You know, there wasn't very much audience. But hey, you know, it's par for the course. You know, like I said, there's no cavalry coming. I'm an upstart, you know. I'm a, uh, what do you call it? A pop-up, an upstart, a financially independent performer. I got to do for myself. There ain't no Calvary. There ain't nobody swinging on my end. It's just me against the world, baby. Got nothing to lose. Just me against the world, baby. You know? And I wouldn't have it any other way. There's a lot of strength in that. And I'm feeling fresh and alive and digging the vibe of 2020, you know? And that's what I'm rocking with. You know what I mean? And that's why it's very important for me to um, maintain my kingdom, you know, the kingdom of Jonathan Ramcharan, performer. And for you out there, whatever it is that you're doing, maintain that kingdom, you know, because nobody else will do it. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, stand-up comedian. And those are the four things that sum me up at the moment. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor, alcoholic, janitor, stand-up comedian, financially independent. So, welcome to the show. Iran. Let's get into this. You know, let's not beat around the bush. We got some news to talk about. So, you know, this is kind of a heavy one. I didn't want it this way, you know. But you know what? Old Donald Trump, the the fucking powers that be, the twisted agenda. They can't leave a motherfucker alone. They can't let a kingdom rest, right? They just be up in your grill and it's looking kind of dour, you know? Looking kind of like, uh, hey, 
you should never avoid conflict in your life. So it's more like a challenge to overcome. So, hey, we ain't these fucking pussy fucking, oh, oh I can't deal with things. Like, you know, you got to rise to life's challenges. So while I would have preferred a more calmer, happier start to 2020, this is what we're being hit with. World War Three. <laughs> That's what people are, um, you know, chuckling about or whatever. Or, you know, I don't know. But basically, here's a news article to sum up what's going on in Iran. So, this is from ctvnews.ca. Trudeau, Trudeau calls for credible investigation into Iran plane crash. This is an article by Mia Rabson, ctvnews.ca. Ottawa. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says Iran must take full responsibility for mistakenly shooting down a Ukraine jetliner, killing all 176 civilians on board, including 57 Canadians. Tragedy, eh? Sorry. At an afternoon news conference in Ottawa, Trudeau said that accountability must include a credible investigation and compensation for the families of the dead. This is a tragedy that should not have happened, the Prime Minister said. Shooting down, shooting down a civilian aircraft is horrific. Iran must take full responsibility, he said. I am, of course, outraged and furious that families across this country are grieving the loss of their loved ones, that the Iranian-Canadian community is suffering so greatly that all Canadians are shocked and appalled at this senseless loss of life. No doubt. Trudeau's news conference came after Iranian President Hassan Rouhani acknowledged Saturday that an Iranian missile took down Ukrainian International Airlines Flight 752. Rouhani, who spoke with Trudeau over the phone Saturday, posted on Twitter that an Iranian military investigation concluded missiles fired due to human error caused the horrific crash. Yes, that's what caused the horrific crash. Missiles fired due to human error caused the horrific crash. The admission came a day after Iran denied claims being made by Canada. Britain, and the United States that the plane was shot down by Iran, possibly accidentally. In addition to 57 Canadian civilians on the plane, dozens, were, dozens more were bound for Canada, many of them students and professors returning after spending the December break visiting relatives in Iran. <laughs> what a horrible way to spend Christmas. <laughs> anyway. Rouhani said investigations will continue to identify and persecute this great tragedy and unforgivable mistake. My thoughts and prayers go to all the mourning families, he said. I offer my sincerest condolences. Nadia Egbali, whose aunt, uncle, and eight-year-old cousin died in the crash, said it was hard to process 
all of her emotions after hearing the Iranian government admit that they accidentally shot the plane down. We're in complete shock. We're full of we're full of so much emotion. There's an anger. There's so many things. We just don't know why this happened, said Egbali. At a time like this, they needed to stop all flights. It should have been stopped to prevent anything like this. No doubt. Nina Saidpour, whose friend Karsra Saiti died in the crash, said Iran's admission stirred up mixed emotions. Saidpour from Calgary said, Saiti had traveled to Iran over the holidays for a, reunion, for a reunion with his wife and two children. So, in some ways we are happy that our government just came forward and said that they did it instead of hiding everything. On the other hand, everybody is again in shock about why such a thing should happen, Saidpour said. Officials from Global Affairs Canada and investigators from the Transportation Safety Board were waiting to get access to Iran so they can both be part of the investigation and provide consular consular, consular services to families of Canadian victims. Trudeau said three visas had been issued so far and the first members of the team were expected to be on the ground in Iran within the day. The plane's downing came hours after Iran launched missile attacks at two military bases hosting U.S. troops in Iraq. Those attacks were retaliation for the U.S. killing of Iran's top general, Qassem Soleimani, in American airstrike, in an American airstrike in Baghdad on January 3rd. A military statement delivered on Iranian state television said the civilian airliner was mistaken for a hostile target when it turned toward a sensitive military site belonging to Iran's Revolutionary Guard, an elite unit of the country's military. Iran's Foreign Minister Mohammad Javad Zarif still pointed some blame towards the Americans, saying on Twitter, Human error at a time of crisis caused by U.S. adventurism led to disaster. Trudeau said accidents like the downing of the plane are what happened when tensions it, tension in high, is high and he said things need to calm down in the region. <laughs> Duh. The reality, there have been, the reality is there have been significant tensions in that region for a long time and what we are calling for now is a de-escalation to ensure that there are no more target accidents, he said. Ukraine's president said Iran must issue an official apology, also called for compensation for the president. For the disaster. You know, for the president. Compensation for the president. Can you imagine that? We need to compensate Donald Trump. (laughs) President Vladimir Zelensky said Ukraine expects a full and open investigation bringing the perpetrators to justice. The dead also include citizens of Iran, Ukraine, Sweden, United Kingdom, Afghanistan, Germany, Champagne, and Canada, said Canada, and is leading the group of nations to advocate with one single voice. Yeah. So this Iranian domestic, this Ukrainian, well, it's it's news that we all know. This Flight 752 is shot down. By um, an Iranian missile. 
And it's, pre- it's basically in retaliation to the airstrikes that killed um, General Qasem Soleimani in Baghdad on January 3rd, which was orchestrated unilaterally by, you guessed it, fake news. President Donald Trump, okay? Yes, I sanctioned that. In what he called an attempt to um, stop a war versus start a war. And yo, if you have any fucking brains at all, well, this is just my opinion. It's so see-through. It's so transparent. Like basically, old Donald Trump whipped up a pissing match with Iran to um, endear himself, to make himself indisposable to the American people on the heels of an impeachment trial. Okay, um, I'm acting in the best interest of America and international diplomacy, okay? By unilaterally commissioning an airstrike randomly on on this um, Iranian general, Qasem Soleimani. I mean, there's hundreds of people like him in the world. Random cells of terror, questionable, you know, warmongers. There's dozens, if not hundreds of motherfuckers like this around the world. Why did he just pick this motherfucker out of the blue to start a pissing match? Obviously, to ensure his post as a wartime president. Isn't it that fucking obvious? And look at all the fucking mayhem it's caused. Look at the chain of reaction. Look at the chain of events. That was a senseless act on the president to start that pissing match to begin with. And and it led to the escalation in an already tense area, the Middle East. Um, Yeah. They retaliate with this air missile that downs this plane, killing 176 innocent people. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. What do you think of this? You know, people are getting on old Justin Trudeau saying that, oh, there must be an answer. There must be a retaliation. But what is that exactly? Like, what are you saying? To announce a full-on war with Iran? Like, what does that mean? It's also senseless to begin with. It's also confusing. It was just a pissing match started by the President of the United States to ensure his post as a wartime president on the heels of this impeachment. It's that obvious. Hit me up with your opinion. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com um, my sent my sentiment was um, echoed um, by the first time I heard that was my overall take of the situation to begin with. It's like Donald Trump starting a pissing match to play his political game. That's what this is all about. And the first time I heard somebody echo those um, sentiments was the CEO of um, Maple Leaf Foods in Canada. Maple Leaf Foods is a big um, food chain in Canada. They make hot dogs, pork chops, chicken breasts, the whole kit and caboodle. 
and um, my sentiments were echoed for the first time that I heard them uh, as just how obviously transparent this whole fucking thing is, how blatantly, um, blatantly wrong and fucking obvious the whole situation is. Um, I can't find the article offhand, but um, yeah, the CEO of Maple Leaf Foods, I believe his name is Mr. McCain. Michael McCain, something like that, but um, McCain, president of um, Maple Leaf Foods, he he echoed those remarks. He had a um, colleague who was on board that flight. His wife and child were needlessly killed. And, you know, this is unfortunately... A larger example of the smaller example of how I talk on the podcast, you know, like when I'm bitching and kabiking about, you know, being um, the prince or princess or transgendered royal of your own domain as a janitor, when I'm talking about dealing with people, doing the right thing being assertive, taking those right steps, those are like a micro situation of a larger situation. It's like people who play those type of games in the workplace, you know, when you got that coworker who, you know, takes an extra 20 minutes on their lunch break, but wants to bitch and whine and point fingers at other people who fuck up. Or the little games people play in an office setting. It's all relatable to the bigger picture of governmental um, conspiracy, governmental, 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 political tampering, scandal, all that, you know, the games people play on a micro level, they play on a a macro level, is macro the word? On a big Mac level, the micro level, the big Mac level, that's how games are played in the world. And it's all a fucking game. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. I'm sick to my stomach. I don't know what to think of it. There isn't anything to think of it. It is clearly, you know, there I go making assumptions again, but it's like, yo, prove me wrong. Explain it to me. Knock me over the head with it. I'm a dumb, ignorant, janitor, alcoholic comedian slash actor, thespian, extraordinaire. Like, Hit me over the head with the truth. What the fuck am I supposed to make of this? What are people supposed to make of this? You know, and you got Canadians, like, I'm in the workplace. I hear people talking shit like, Canada needs to answer. Trudeau has to do something. We need to go to war. It's like, what? What? What is this? What? That's it? Just go to war? Go to war with Iran? Drop another airstrike on them, kill innocent civilians, escalate the already tense tensions, you know, escalate the tense tensions. Like, what are we supposed to do? It's all just a made-up game to begin with. It's a pissing match that somebody started. A fucking fake news witch hunt pissing match. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Till further notice, I don't know what to make of it. There ain't nothing to make of it. It's just the games people play.
And it is a game. Um, you know, Weinstein, Epstein, they're also in the news. Another game. It's, uh, I could read you the article, but at this point, it's suffice to say you're probably already aware of this. Um, in summation, I'll just basically summarize some of this if y'all aren't on the up and up. Basically, Harvey Weinstein, um, Hollywood producer, Hollywood mogul, fallen Hollywood mogul. Um, the trial lingers on. Um, simply put, the trial lingers on. Uh, he's charged with like rape, sexual assault, abusing power, you know, using his position as a Hollywood producer mogul to trick or, you know, press upon young actresses. Hey, if you want to leg up in the industry, suck this dick. You know, that's what he was doing. Jeffrey Epstein, um, financial wizard, sex trafficker, pedophile, ties to the royal family, Prince Andrew. Suffice to, suffice to say, there's a lot of sexual evil going on there. And, you know, at some point, I'm going to perhaps, perhaps when there's more information to come out, because at the moment, like, it's all just very like, for example, with the Jeffrey Epstein case, um, they're questioning his suicide at the moment. So here's what we know so far. Epstein was taken to an emergency room after being found non-responsive. Uh, the decision was disruptive and it disrupted what was very well could have been a crime scene. The high-flying pedo's uh, neck was broken in three spots, which was virtually unheard of. So, like, there's, like, issue with how he was found. Was it a suicide? Was it a murder? <sighs> It's the sound of the times. I could... It's all coming down to scandal, abuse of power, conspiracy. Don't know what to make of it. Who's lying? Who's telling the truth? I got no insight into it. I got no stomach for it. I don't know what to make of it. I'm just a motherfucker getting lied to, like the rest of us. You know what I mean? And, you know, I guess what my duty going forward is with a lot of these cases and what I want to bring to the podcast is more of an accountability to really chase down these stories and get the fullest information. Because I read the newspaper, I read random little internet sites, and I'm left just feeling as more confused as I am by feeling enlightened. Like, what is knowledge? Like I mentioned, I'm an alcoholic janitor. What do I know about the sexual 
escapades of a Hollywood mogul, Harvey Weinstein. And what he did with that power, I don't know what he did. I have no fucking clue. Are these actresses and actresses really just lying to get their 15 minutes of fame? You know, to get their paycheck? People will do anything for money, so don't discount that. We live in a cynical world based on self-interest. People will do anything for money. What am I supposed to expect that if the president of the United States will start a pissing match with another nation, put the lives of potentially millions of people at risk, if he's willing to do that just to ensure his legacy as president of the United States, okay, you know, if he's willing to do that, what's to say some dejected fucking um, actress isn't just making up a bunch of bullshit to get a paycheck? What's to say that Jeffrey Epstein wasn't a sexual um, pedophile, sex slave, procurer? Or what's to say he is? Or what's to say he wasn't murdered? Or what to say he was murdered? He did commit suicide. He didn't commit suicide. What do you make of all this, man? I'm going batshit crazy. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Going forward, um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be a man of my time and continue doing the deep dive on the issues of the day, you know? Not that I'm a beacon for it, like, I'm going to continue to, but I'm going to, I'm going to hold some accountability on it, but... The sad truth is, I just feel more and more confused by the shit I read. I mean, earlier, I mean, last year in 2019, one of the episodes, I was speaking about chimeras. Now, what a chimera is, is a, a, a interspecies mongoloid, like something that is half one species, half another, like a hydra, like a sphinx. You know what I mean? And in China, they're creating these human monkey chimeras where they're mixing human DNA with that of a monkey to um, produce these creatures, these chimeras that have, you know, human DNA infused into a monkey brain that way they can um, test for Alzheimer's or whatever the true twisted agenda is. So like, what am I supposed to report on that? What am I supposed to say about that? Oh, China's creating monkey people. Oh, in a laboratory, they're mixing human DNA with that of human DNA. And here's my opinion. <laughs> it's a fucking topsy-turvy world and it all comes down to abuse of power the haves the have-nots twisted agendas evil ugliness isn't there anything good going on (laughs) it's gotta be something but hey you know those are the times we live in and you know i'm just trying to move forward 
with some positivity and walk in a way in which that I'm proud to hold my head up high and say, I'm not a part of that. You know what I mean? And, you know, that's the sad thing when you see victims of like, you know, like, you know, human human trafficking, like in the Jeffrey Epstein case, when you see the victims and you hear their horrible stories and when you see the victims of like a Harvey Weinstein and, you know, on a greater level, when you see the victims of the Ukrainian jetliner tragedy, 176 victims shot down by an Iranian missile, all due in reaction to the pissing match started by a delusional narcissist president, Donald Trump. When you see all this, it just fucking tugs at the old heartstrings. And, you know, what do you do as a normal civilian? What do we do? I'm getting so confused the more and more I live, you know? The more and more I open my eyes and I look around, it's just a clusterfuck. <laughs> and, um, you know, but hey, Netflix is, uh, you know, pretty fun. You guys enjoy Netflix? Um, you know, that's some of the joy um, in the lifestyle of the 2020s. You know, we live in a time where there's a lot of great content. <laughs> and we have all these artistic films being made, documentaries, things to open the mind, ideas to explore, a whole world of ideas. And through those ideas, change can come. Sometimes at a very unseemly source. So, there's a documentary on Netflix called Hail Satan. <laughs> now, Hail Satan is um, a documentary on Satanism, which, as a God-fearing man, um, I'll call myself a Christian. Why not? I was raised that way. I mainly believe in a higher power. I believe in a positive higher power. I would never align myself with the king of the damned, Satan, you know, the spawn of hell. Like, I wouldn't, like, align myself with a devil. But, um, you know, this documentary makes some very interesting points. So what is Satanism? Satanism... Give me one moment here. Satanism is a group of ideological and philosophical beliefs based on Satan. <laughs> Contemporary religious practice of Satanism began with the founding of the Church of Satan in 1966, although a few historical precedents exist. Prior to the public practice, Satanism existed primarily as an accusation of various Christian groups toward perceived ideology, ideological opponents, rather than a self-identifying Satan. You know, that's very important. Um, 
Prior to public practice, Satanism existed primarily as an accusation of by various Christian groups toward perceived ideological opponents rather than a self-identifying Satan. So it's like they don't particularly identify with Satan. It's more of like a opposition to various sects of Christianity. Satanism and the concept of Satan has also been used by artists and entertainers for symbolic expression. Now, in this documentary, Hail Satan, um, it's about the Satanic Temple. And let me give you a little bit of a snippet on who they are. The Satanic Temple is a non-theistic religious group based in the United States. The temple is recognized as a church for the, propose, for the purposes of tax exemption, with chapters in 16 U.S. states and one in Canada. The group uses satanic imagery to promote egalitarianism, social justice, and the separation of church and state. Their stated mission is to encourage benevolence and empathy among all people. Sounds pretty beautiful. For a Satanist, um, the group was co-founded by Lucian Greaves, the organization's spokesperson, and Malcolm Jerry. The Satanic Temple has utilized satire, theatrical ploys, humor, and direct legal action in their public campaigns to generate attention and prompt people to reevaluate fears and perceptions, and to highlight religious hypocrisy an encroachment on religious freedom. Yes. So in this documentary, that's what it is. It's like they define themselves basically as the opposite of, you know, church and state. The opposite is how they define themselves. If, you know, the leading forces... The governing bodies that preach, um, you know, a Christian nation. If these forces preach that doctrine, and when you look at the aftermath of their actions, like the Catholic Church in the kitty fucking, um, you know, Islam and the fucking bombing. Like, when you look at all these religious groups, you have to think, like, the opposite must be right. Like, doesn't that make much more sense? Now, again, I ain't no Satanist. I don't, you know, and even Satanists technically aren't Satanists. That's the fucking funny part. They say that it's more of a opposition to um, preconceived religious norms in society. You know, the accepted okey-doke of um, Christian civilization in the Western world. And, you know, in this documentary, you see these guys, they're out, these men and women, they're out there and they're, you know, doing demonstrations. They use all their theatrical ploys. (laughs) One of the funny ones they did was on abortion. They dressed up like, um, they took, it was actually like a Doug Stanhope joke. You know, a great Doug Stanhope joke. But they said it was based on a joke. I'm pretty sure it was Doug Stanhope's joke about, like, 
you know, the flip side of all these anti-abortion communities is how they fetishize, fetish size, fetishize the, hu- uh, the human fetus. They put all these naked fetuses on like um, their posters and their campaigns. And it's like, oh, you're fetishizing the, the human fetus. Like, cover that thing up, you pedophile. You are the worst pornographer. <clears throat> so Doug Stanhope had a joke like that. So I'm pretty sure that's where they got it from, their idea. But anyways, they did like this whole campaign where <laughs> they dressed up like babies. They put those like, cre- you know those creepy baby masks? They put these baby masks on and this like S&M bondage, you know, like leather and chaps and whips and diapers. And they're like, wah, wah, Google Gabba. And they're, they're whipping themselves with whips and they're dressed up like babies and they're protesting outside an abortion clinic. Or no, outside of a pro-choice, or sorry, uh, against anti-abortionists, you know? So, you know, you got all these people, you know, walk with Jesus, down with abortion. And then you see all these babies dressed up in fucking bondage, whipping themselves with whips and chains. (laughs) And, um, you know, they're fighting against, like, um, the government. I forget which town it was set in or which city or state but wherever the setting was there was a governmental body trying to erect these 10 commandment monuments on the steps of like legislature parliament they're trying to erect these like 10 commandment statues so then the satanic temple was trying to counter where it's like well you can't speak It's like the First Amendment, like the freedom of all people and all religions, where it's like you can't just be like speaking for the masses with this Christian doctrine, this, you know, this, you know, Old Testament doctrine by erecting these fucking um, Ten Commandment monuments. So they were trying to have their statue erected, like this Belzebub, whatever the fuck they call their satanic god. They had it like sculpted and modeled. (laughs) They used like a model. The guy who made the model, he like, he used like Iggy Iggy Pop's fucking torso. Like he modeled the fucking thing after Iggy Pop. And it's this crazy looking half goat, half Iggy Pop, half child devil thing it's crazy fucking statue and what's so interesting about that is like what they're doing is they're trying to combat the pushback the opposition to what we accept as the okie doke you know as we accept like the Donald Trumps the Harvey Weinsteins the fucking Jeffrey Epsteins the fucking um all these horrible atrocities in the world, these fucking third world countries where they're just run by warlords and there's poverty and there's corruption, they're trying to present the opposite. You know, if if everybody's smiling and saying, this is what society should be, they're saying, well, no, we're Satanists and the opposite must be the truth. 
It makes sense, but they go about it in a fucked up way. You should see some of their little prayer sessions. They're like sticking fucking pig heads on spikes and they're whipping themselves with chains and they're naked. And there's all these, you know, there's a lot of hot chubby chicks are Satanists, what I've noticed. A lot of chubby rocker, rockabilly chicks, big titted, tattooed hussies. It's a lot of fine bitches at a fucking Satanist rally, but it's just not enough to tempt me. Like they make some good points, but generally speaking, I want a real love, ideally, a peaceful, a peaceful, you know, maybe I'm old school, but you know, I think of like butterflies in a meadow, calm imagery as the true beauty of life versus like, you know, fat, chubby, rockabilly chicks getting fucking glasses of wine dumped over their tits while somebody like shoves a fucking pig head on a spike and they chanting rituals and they're lighting sage and they're burning fucking Bibles. Like, I'd rather, like, sure, a chubby chick with tattoos and big tits, like, it is a nice image. But, like, when I think of, like, being calm... I think of like a meadow and a butterfly or something. You know what I mean? But hey, you know, going forward, why not take a little bit of aspects of like a Satanist? Why not take some Christian principles? Why not take some Islamic principles? Why not just take a principle of human for human? And we go forward and make something of what is left of this world. Hallelujah. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent January 14th in the year of our Lord, 2020. Iran. Donald Trump. Canada's involvement in the whole Iran situation. Um, Jeffrey Epstein, Harvey Weinstein, um, Satanism. <laughs> Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. How do you make sense of this nutty time in the world where there's just a seeming, a seemingly endless stream of conflict? What do you make of this time? Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Hey, you can find me anywhere on the web. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Spotify. I'm on iTunes. I have my own website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. Hey, don't let the bad take the good out of you. 2020 is a blessing. Moving forward, we do what we can. Till next time, folks. You live it, you love it, you realize it. I peace.